0: That naturopathic podcast, TNP.
1: Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Cara Denisio.
0: And I'm Dr. David Miller, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you.
2: This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health.
0: This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine but you definitely don't feel very well.
2: This show is for you
1: if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle or a long term game plan.
0: This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you but no one is really putting it all together.
1: This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of health care. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it.
0: And we want you to know
1: it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you need to know about.
0: vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high quality naturopathic doctor designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Hey, welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. It's Dr. Dave here. I got my sidekick, Dr. Michelle. What's up?
2: Hello, it's so exciting to be here today. I'm really it's always
0: exciting, st-
2: right? But I'm super stoked for our guest today. I gotta say,
0: yeah, yeah. You you had to you had to text me before and say, yeah. oh my god, yeah. what are we gonna do? I know. I'm so I was excited, like, and excited. excited and scared.
2: Excited and scared. This topic is one that is very, <laughs> it's very igniting for a lot of people. Let's, let's Ooh, use those igniting. words. Igniting. Yeah, yeah, I'm throwing. I looked up the thesaurus before I came to the podcast today. <laughs>
0: Okay, so we've got a repeat guest who's uh, one of my faves because she ain't never scared. And uh, her name is Dr. Taylor Bean. She's a naturopathic doctor from BC. And she was uh, our guest for an awesome uh, uh, episode we did called The Vaccinating ND. Um, Yes, you heard that right. So Taylor Bean, Vaccinating ND, out in BC. How the hell are you?
1: Oh, so good. And I I love... That I'm on here with you two today because it is igniting my day by yes. being here.
2: Do we have like a button where we can have like an applause button? Cause I felt like when you introduced her, I wanted to set off an applause, like where you have a laugh, like a laugh track, an applause track. We need one of those. We'll
0: get Brandon to pop that one in, maybe. Yeah. Um, so Taylor, what's going on out in BC? Uh, you you're 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 saying your truths as you mm-hmm.
2: do. Uh, your Instagram is on fuego. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, it's
1: just you know, it's to, you know, speak from the heart and, you know, that's what I do. I mean, I'm being true to myself um, and as a naturopathic doctor, which, functional medicine, let's look at, at everything. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's how we're trained. And so this is a topic that is, has become uh, a big part of my practice. I mean, I've been working in with vaccine, vaccines for seven years now, and five of those have been here in British Columbia where we can administer vaccines. So when it started when I lived overseas in Singapore with mandated vaccination and working with families, um, lots of questions, a lot I couldn't answer. And I was a new grad at the time. um, And I just, you know, I was embarrassed that I didn't know the answers. And so Mm -hmm. that just really propelled me to, I got to learn more and I learned more. And so that's where it started.
0: So mandatory vaccines, not a new sort of thing. The the discussion around mandatory vaccines is like an old muscle for you to flex. Yeah.
1: Right. And so for Singapore, it is the ability to attend school specifically for measles and diphtheria. So you have to have those two vaccines to attend a public school private might be a little bit different, but public you do. Um, And so I already, I already came from that. And when I started with vaccines, it was just something that was not even on my radar. You know, you learn about it in school, about when you vaccinate and what for, and that's Mm -hmm. it. Right. It's pretty quick. Um, Yeah. It's it's quick for everybody. It's over. It's not it's not an in-depth conversation for any healthcare practitioner. We're talking medical doctors versus Mm. natural doctors. It's no different. Oh interesting. Um, So it's not just us. It's not just us. So (laughs) we always feel
0: like it's just us. eh? Is it just us?
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> me. um no because then even by doing the uh the bc cdc vaccine immunization uh certificate in order for me to administer vaccines here in british columbia i mean that's a large course it's 16 17 modules but it nothing in there was was like wow i had no idea but it was it mm-hmm. was going backwards right and doing a bit of immunology and then the infections is a big part which you've already learned in pediatrics during our school training Um, and then when and how to handle them and why they need to be cold and so forth so all the logistics about vaccination too which you wouldn't have learned about because you're like well I didn't why would I need to know that stuff so you learn about that because you're actually handling them Um, so it was you know I'm like okay well I've done my schooling and about vaccinations in school than this okay so it's still pretty in my mind like there's still questions here that aren't being answered that my patients are asking Mm -hmm. so that's where I've just been diving deeper and basically I think I've taken every single vaccine course I know that there is to take Um, and currently actually in another one right now so it's it's constant because it's constant learning because hey science never stops it keeps improving and we keep learning about how human physiology works and what are the mechanisms? Because for me, it has been, what are the mechanisms behind vaccination? Okay, you give an antigen and you make an antibody. There's gotta be more to that, because and there is. Um, and why do some people respond more than others? Responding more looks like what? There are adverse reactions. Why is that?
0: What Um, there's adverse reactions? mm,
1: Yes, yes. There are adverse reactions. And that is why we have an adverse reaction reporting system. Mm. That's why it's in it's in place so that we can catch if there is a problem, we can catch what lot was it. So when Mm. I administer a vaccine, I make sure that the patient has a lot Mm. number, it's on a piece of paper to, to the public health, and it's in my system. So no matter what, we're very clear of we don't miss any information. So I've never had an adverse reaction from um, me administering vaccines in my office. If there was, I'd be reporting it, but I've actually never had to report any. So Mm. um, my patients know they get all the information from BC CDC around the vaccine they have chosen to have administered for their child, either it's me or public health. Um, But that's part of informed consent um, of understanding all of that. And so, because for me, And I tell patients this, and I'm very honest with this, is I don't care about your decision. I don't Mm. care if you do or you don't. I wouldn't be able to sleep well at night. I wouldn't be able to do this job if I had emotional attachment to your decision. Mm -hmm. What I care about is that you would never come back in my office and say, I didn't know that. You Mm. never told me that. And it's my job to do that and I need to know that information. So if I'm gonna be offering vaccines in my office, I better know everything about them. And if I don't, then I will say, I don't know this. Mm -hmm. As a Mm -hmm. clinician should. As as one should. So um, that's why we have 30 minute Mm -hmm. conversations around vaccines, or that's why we'll have an hour consult around vaccines, which is Mm -hmm. not all about vaccines. I need to know about their child, but what are your questions and what do you wanna know? And so Mm -hmm. it's about you understanding, because believe it or not, it's really difficult to have a conversation around vaccines with a healthcare provider. I don't I just I don't know why but it is. <laughs> So I am trying to bridge this together of like, yes, we should be allowed to talk. I yeah. mean, why can't because I because this is a big part of why I do this, is because I've had so many parents say to me, the experience that I had with my healthcare provider is why I have paused. And this is why I am not vaccinating is because I don't want to go back into the office and have this Mm -hmm. conversation. And I've just, I don't know who to talk to because I feel like I'm going to be yelled at, ostracized, shamed for asking simple questions. So So absurd. And when that, that breaks my heart to hear that, oh, too. it's, it's that I have, I try to deal with those emotions when I leave the office because it's so it's heart-wrenching
2: yeah. when
1: I have pa- patients, parents sitting there almost shaking when they want to talk to me about something mm. on the verge of becoming emotional. But, you know, this is why we start the conversations light. Um, You know, let's laugh a little and then let's get into the meat of it. And so mm. then we really get to get into the core and answering questions from very transparent, respectful place. And they're like, I don't understand why anyone just didn't tell me that. I'm like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know either. I can't speak for anybody else, uh, but this is the answer um, here or here, go here, go here, go here to read. Um, and that has been a, you know, interestingly enough, by having conversations with people that has helped them make decisions. And now they have a lot of patients that do vaccinate. Um, people that come in that have decided they were absolutely not vaccinated. So it's not my, to me as a as a professional, it's not my job just to, to convince, coerce, alter in and change your perspective on something. When you give transparent information, that person will organically, change their decision perhaps if they're like oh I didn't know that oh that's an Mm -hmm. interesting point Oh, thank you for that that makes sense to me now yes because I'm here to be an educator that's what a doctor does so that's what I do in in the office and like ah right on
2: okay versus you just vaccinate and that's it End 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 of discussion I feel like a lot of clients come I mean I get the feedback from a lot of people being like how come nobody explained this to me? How come my doctor didn't explain this to me? How come they didn't go through my lab work with me? And I find that as as naturopaths, we do take that part of our oath, doctor as teacher, quite seriously. Mm And I feel Mm -hmm. like we put a little bit more emphasis on on that. For me, Mm -hmm. I want my clients to feel empowered when it comes to their health, because it's really them. It's not me, their health. Um,
1: And I I get that we have the luxury of half an hour or 60 minutes or 90 minutes to be, I, I understand the luxury where... You know, others will have five minutes. I do yep. understand that, but yeah. still it is your tone. It yeah. is how you say your words really impact. I mean, there's been some, you know, beautiful other, you know, functional medical doctors who are like, look, I just don't have the time, but those are really mm-hmm. good questions. Maybe mm-hmm. you should go X, Y here. I mean, the, the deliverance, the right. Way you deliver your message can really right. be very impactful. Uh, I mean, I have patients that ask me questions such as, can I split the MMR vaccine? I could say, obviously, we can't split the MMR vaccine. I mean, (laughs) what a dumb question. Or I could say, you know, that's a really good question. Um, In Canada, we don't. But hey, did you know that Japan has their own measles vaccine and and France can do an MR? I mean, they're like, oh, I didn't know that. And because I have worked overseas, I still have international patients whom, believe it or not, are moving to France, or maybe they're going to Japan. Like, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that was an option. Hmm. Yeah, well.
2: There you go. So something for a lot of people to to know who are listeners is you're kind of a unique person in the naturopathic community because as far as I'm aware BC is the only province in Canada where naturopaths can vaccinate. I know in Ontario we're barely even allowed to to have a discussion anywhere around that. We can't have a discussion. We basically have to say you have to go back to your primary healthcare practitioner. Like it's mm-hmm. basically like you shut it down, you send them to their healthcare practitioner. Mm-hmm. So I love that you are Someone that people can at least learn from or become educated from and have that more in depth conversation. Are there many doctors doing this, like naturopaths in BC? Are you really kind of like an isolated, like the cheese stands alone situation?
1: (laughs) I think I'm the only one. And I, you know, it just, I gravitated towards this topic.
2: That's
0: so weird that you're the only one,
1: I, right? And I don't know. I don't know if it's people like ah, eh, Taylor's just so that her Do it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I get a lot of referrals mm-hmm. from naturopathic doctors in BC, and I'm like, I just deal with the vaccine slice, and then I let's go back to your ND for everything else you're dealing with, and mm-hmm. that's what I do. And I really enjoy it because there's that. I think it's because of psychological component to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I get to break those barriers and boundaries. And sometimes it's a counseling session between both parents. Um, but I'm, I'm up to it and I enjoy it uh, because at the end of the day, it's about the child and pediatrics is a massive part of my practice. And I, I want us to come to a decision that's best for the child. I want the the marriage to work I want the whole thing to work as a unit and so it's it's a really interesting dynamic to be in um and I guess because of the history of living overseas and here amalgamating it's like oh this is so neat and so it's been a a blessing I I, you know that I landed on this was not what I originally wanted to be in but it Mm -hmm. just occurred Mm -hmm. and so because of all the education, um, lecturing that I've done, I have made an eight-part vaccine optimization webinar series that anyone can listen to. Part of it can be a little bit more um, challenging, you know, if you're coming at this and you've never known this topic ever before, um, but it's you can replay, 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 and listen to that. So I go, it's, it's eight parts. I used to do three, but it's just too much information. And so a lot of times I direct my patients to that, to listen to just on the viruses and bacteria that we vaccinate. I think a lot of people, cause they come to me and say, well, what should I do? I'm like, well, what you should do is the recommend, the recommendation for this province is the BC CDC has put out a vaccine schedule. That's the recommendation. What is it that you want to do? And so then we go through that. And so I think you really should have an understanding of why you're vaccinating for against these viruses and bacteria. So get to know the viruses and bacteria that you're vaccinated against. Like, do you even know what pneumococcal is? Do you even know what Hib is? Do you even know what pertussis is? Do you even know why you're vaccinating for that? Do you understand the infection? So then I send them there and they're an hour each. So it's a lot of information, but I think it's that's the empowerment piece is to get to know why you're doing that. Um, mm. And so infant immunity is a big one that I like to lecture and talk about. Um, and that's just, that's the first webinar. Let's talk about infant immunity. Is it different than a toddler? Is it different than an adult? Yes, it is. So I think it's important for us. To you mean you can't that.
0: extrapolate the results from uh, adults and elderly <laughs> to small children and no you
1: can't you can't and breastfeeding plays into this and it's just so it's just like when you get into the immune system and the nuances of cytokines and all these things in there it's like interesting what nature intended or how it built you know an infant's body and then you know so it's just it's i think these are important because this is how we can optimize also the situation because again i have lots of patients that vaccinate need to vaccinate, want to vaccinate, so forth. And so these parts, I think it's important to understand. And so it takes a long time to explain all this. why I make webinars Mm -hmm. um, because it's like nine hours worth of information. So, and then we, then we'll extrapolate actually on that information. Like, what is it? What do you want to know beyond this? Is there anything more like particular? And so some of the questions I get from patients are really good.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) You've done your homework.
0: Another, yeah. another thing that I should probably mention is that you're, you're not um, you must have thick skin or like good grit because mm. not only are you going to run it, like, we know this is a lot of these topics are just so divisive polarizing and like uh, it's crazy that way. And we'll, I think we'll get into that a little bit, but you also receive <clears throat> like naturopathic dung thrown at you've had like mm-hmm. naturopathic dung thrown at you too. So you get it from both sure. sides.
1: Sure. No, I get it from both sides. Um, I I don't like bullies and, and I'm also very competitive. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe you put those two together. That's what's happening. (laughs) So I, you know, I, I, the grid is there. And I think, because I know what I know what my mission is, I know where I stand and I'm very, I'm like, you're not gonna, I know what I'm doing and in terms of why I'm here and what I'm doing. um, And I know, and the feedback is overwhelming from the patients that I see and talk to that they're just like, I am so grateful that I can frankly just talk to you. I'm like, perfect. Because yeah, Yeah. I've had, you know, I've, I've had colleagues who are like, you know, the fact that you allow for conversation is you're going to breed hesitancy. Is that so is really, is that really in your soul? You actually think that the fact that I allow someone to talk, maybe it's the fact that you're not allowing them to talk, you're breeding trauma. Mm -hmm. Maybe gaslighting is what the issue is here. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's, it's uh, like, I will, I'm just calling a spade a spade. I mean, this is what's happening within that, in this uh, topic and it's not okay. It's not okay. And I will, I I'm okay to call you out on it because I'm not sure what your response will be. And I don't care because I know that's inappropriate. It's unprofessional. Mm -hmm. And I have seen it within the, I have seen it in the profession have and I have called people out on it and still am and because I know it's wrong Um, and we're not going to get anywhere on terms of this talk of vaccination if you're going to gaslight people how in the world do you think we're going to move forward It's, it's not a good directive so
0: so I guess that might be a good segue into one of the main topics we want to talk about, which was just language and shame around vaccination, maybe in general, or maybe you want to you know, say with particular uh, importance to recent uh, viruses.
1: Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> recent um, times. <laughs> I just wrote an article in The Pulse, Ooh. which um, is an Ontario magazine and about language specifically. Um, because it's sort of a, a, another, I guess, subtopic of vaccination, vaccination is the language piece. And because again, I mean, I, um, part of why I'm here and still here is trying to mend wounds and the allowing people to have a conversation, because when you are called anti-vax, it's actually quite triggering and traumatizing for people. Um, because when you call someone from the place of, you know, you know, someone's trying to describe a person that doesn't want to vaccinate, will describe it as an anti-vaccine because they're like, I don't know what other word to say. Like, okay, you're coming from a place where you're not really sure how to label this person or their decision-making. Um, so there's, we can educate them a little bit better versus the person that's just a knee-jerk reaction. It's like, ugh, he's anti-vaxxer. I mean right. you're the problem you know right. and so you're like you're not coming from a place of any understanding and you're just you're just this verbiage that you're using you don't really know where it's coming from and so you know there's words in our history that we no longer use because we know that it is inappropriate traumatizing and we didn't know any better and so that's what's happening today is i'm now picking that word as anti-vax is very inappropriate because you don't know what the weight that comes behind that word towards somebody Mm -hmm. so someone that has had an adverse reaction or someone that has been counseled by um their medical team to not be vaccinated is not being vaccinated and then you'll be like well you're an anti-vaxxer and you're like you have no idea my history is in terms Mm -hmm. of why i've actually been counseled not to Um, but I'm not going to, no one needs to know your health history or you don't need to explain yourself, but then you almost feel like you need to explain yourself. Um, but the A person whole other called topic, right. It was just another <laughs> topic um, because that's private. Exactly. Um, <laughs> that's why you don't need to talk about it. So, you know, these people that use that language and the me and the thing is the media uses it. So it's a sensational word to use. So therefore we feel it's okay to use. We're comfortable in using it sort of part of the culture of vaccination now. It's
2: become a very inflamed word. And I mm-hmm. find that it's it seems to be like part of hateful language almost. Mm-hmm. It almost mm-hmm. comes up from a place of like hate and judgment and like it's like, it's like jab, jab, jab. That's yep. almost how it's being used, even in the media. And even yep. by some of the people who we have in high placed positions of power. And that causes me a lot of like distress because mm-hmm. that is, it's not okay. Nobody should be shamed no. or come at with, with, with that vile type of like energy for making a medical decision about themselves. Cause we wouldn't do that to anybody else about a decision mm-hmm. they made medically for themselves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it shouldn't be, and this shouldn't be any exception.
1: Right. You know, and, the, and people are going to be using anti-vax as, you know, they're like, well, this is, we're all in this together, so you should do it. And if you're not going to do it, then you don't care about me. And, and, and mm-hmm. that's where the, this sort of throwing of things come at. And you're like, well, first off, I'd like to know, um, why A, are you calling people that don't want, that don't, aren't, can't be vaccinated? anti-vax like where's that coming from for you I mean either you just don't have the words the education um or the grace to be able to the wisdom to step back and be like well I wonder why they aren't getting vaccinated I wonder why the 20 percent of the population as a whole has not I wonder why I mean I just that takes too much time and thought process obviously Um, and so that's where I that's my challenge out is is well why do you think they're not like why Mm -hmm. I don't know because they're anti-vax okay can we just can you just try for a minute try to think maybe why they're not and so but that's where you really have to understand then immunology vaccinology as well to be like oh I didn't know that I know you didn't know that you know I mean there's (laughs) everyone that talks about vaccines now and tries attempts to be you know they, they know a lot,'ll so explain to me, and this is what happens on my Instagram uh, because that's where this is happening. Um, and sometimes i will I will give that energy to it because it's educating other people. I know other people are reading it, so that's where the education continues, and that's why I do it um, because it's like, well no, I mean and this is where we can segue into well, um, are and are unvaccinated people a threat to a vaccinated person, are they? Um, and so I think then we have to backtrack and think about well, what does a vaccine do? What is its primary objective? Its objective is to make antibodies in you, the receiving person. So you get vaccinated to make antibodies for you, for you, because yeah. we've kind of we've made it's a public health. So we think a lot of people are a lot of people are involved, but it is individual medicine primarily. Then we have secondary sure but primary objective is so that you make antibodies so that when you face the infection in your community the wild that you are able to deal with that infection so that you don't need to go to the hospital the whole point is to reduce hospitalization visits that's Mm -hmm. the point Mm -hmm. we want to we want to reduce people in there so that's the point so number one then now you have done well can you still transmit while you're sick because your symptoms are now going to be mild. The hope is they were mild, maybe moderate, but not severe, but you're still having symptoms, thus the capability is still of transmitting. Okay, so, cause that is the, the ideal goal. So as a vaccinated person that you, are to, you want that army, that's the whole point of getting vaccinated, have that army so that when you get out there, you can fight the bacterial viral infection that which you vaccinated against. So if you're sitting beside someone who's vaccinated or unvaccinated, and now if they have no symptoms, asymptomatic, they aren't posing a threat to you because you have your army. That is, you have your army shield on you for these situations that occur. Because pre-COVID, you didn't know anybody's vaccine status at all, nor did you think to ask because no one was telling you to think about mm-hmm. it. And what's very interesting is a lot of adults are unvaccinated to things they should be vaccinated for. Adults are are not up on their booster shots for multiple things, but you are unaware that you should have been doing that. No one's telling you that you should probably check your measles status or your tetanus status. No one's told you that. You thought, well, in childhood, and then I'm good for the rest of my life. No, actually, you are to have other vaccines, but you didn't know that. So you didn't care who you s- sat beside, you didn't care that, like, oh well, they're they're ride. They have pertussis and coughing, which can be, you know, if you've never seen pertussis before as an adult, can be an issue. Um, but you didn't know that. So, anyways, that's mm. why you get vaccinated for the situations of being around someone that might be mildly ill. And in today's day, anyone that presents a bit ill is staying home. This is why we have our COVID checks. How do you feel? You've seen all of them. Fever, cough, runny nose, loss of smell, taste. We all know that. So we will be staying home. Therefore, the ability to even be exposed to someone like this is probably going to be that. So when you're sitting beside a vaccinated or unvaccinated person, that is why you get vaccinated. So yes, we want to reduce transmission. Yes, is it happening? Question mark. But again, the whole point is so that when you contract it, you can handle the infection much more quickly than had you not been vaccinated. So this is why it's still primarily is going to be first objective is to help you, the individual mm-hmm. first off. And mm-hmm. yes, then secondary secondary would be then because you have mild symptoms, perhaps then the transmission rate will reduce because you don't have the viral load as perhaps a very sick person would.
0: You know what I struggle with that out. one, Taylor, is when I think of a real world situation, so say, mm. say you have like a vaccine, everyone's uh, vaccinated or whatever in a home and one of them gets COVID, they contract it and they have, like you said, maybe mild to moderate symptoms or mild to moderate mild symptoms. Like I had when I have a different vaccine status than that, but anyway,
2: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. um, so you're living in the you're living in the same home as this person and you're probably like cooped up together a lot it's winter and so so i i think of the real life experiment of someone who's vaccinated or unvaccinated living in the same house as someone else like is that even in the end going to translate to like uh less transmission you're just you're around them all the time exposed Mm -hmm. all the time Mm -hmm. it makes you wonder about that strategy i always wondered about the strategy stop the spread. I, I was like, wait a second. Two years ago I thought, like, does this
1: mm-hmm. is
0: that mm-hmm. is that possible? Right. I don't know.
1: No, I mean, I think the objective should be mm-hmm. the health objective should be number one, how do we arm our communities to be able to handle infection when they will contract it? So first off should be that objective, because there's lots of pieces to this pie in terms of public health. Public health, the health of the public. So vaccination is going to be one of those tools. But interestingly enough, you need to have a strong immune system in order to make antibodies to the vaccine. Thank you for saying
2: that. (laughs) I feel like that's been very much lost on people lately.
1: Just because you've been vaccinated does not equate, absolutely, will you have immunity? And what is immunity? Yes.
0: Yes, talk about vaccine status versus immune status that is right. a big one for me and i i never i never knew how big it was for me until i got covid uh, like a couple of weeks ago uh it was fine like i whatever it's all good and anyway my immune status has completely changed and and the, from the data i've seen and, and I, I don't know how you quantify immunity per se but mm-hmm. from the from what i saw mm-hmm. the the protection from natural infection which goes, it, it it appeals to logic. It's going to be better than protection from one spike protein. Um, It, it means that my immune status is equal or better to some, than someone who had several vaccines. So, I mean, yeah. and again, that's fraught with peril. I know that whole, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. but it's when it's Taylor, it was when I was like, well, you know, can I go anywhere now? I still right. can't go anywhere because right. I didn't, but my immune status is, right. is probably great.
2: Right. And that's Maybe what play can, with that do, that one. can we just explain something for a second? Cause you touched on it really quick, Dave. So a virus has many proteins on its outer surface. <laughs> and according to the current inoculation, it's a singular spike protein. Would Taylor, would you say that's where the more robust immunity might come from? Because if you're interacting with various proteins on the surface of a virus you're more likely to just recognize all variants of that more effectively in the future is that kind of where that comes from i want some clarity for the audience if they're listening
1: so so inoculation so vaccination versus natural so because there's there's two large components that are going to differentiate it is or maybe three so with a vaccine mm-hmm. uh, most all of them are going to be through the arm so you're going to be through the dermis which is not naturally how you contract most all infections. Big
0: detail that you don't hear much.
1: Right. So tetanus would be and and HEP B would be two things that sure would yeah. be because it's that that's would be their how natural you route. Be, right. That their natural route of infection is through yeah. you know the arm, tetanus, wound, so forth. Versus everything else is through the mouth. So you've got your already as I breathe things in through my nose and out my mouth, then I have immune system that's like, whoa, what is this? Okay, now we're going to start so you've got that beginning initial immune reactions. So we've got an immune system in there that either it's just going to, we're going to poop out those antigens or some are going to breach in and go systemic. And now mm-hmm. it's phase two. Now we've got the innate immune system on and the whole sequence of events that starts happening. But number two is when I breathe it in, it is the entire structure of that virus or even the bacteria that I am contracting is, is the whole thing because vaccination, um, either it's live viral, it's attenuated, but even if we have the bacterial parts, that's it's fractions, it's, it's, it's bits of that bacteria that which you're making an antibody towards. Mm -hmm. So, and that in here, even with the new one, we've got a spike protein that which we're making an antibody towards and that's it. Right. And so it's not the entire structure, So the contraction um, and the form being it's to a, a fragment or to the whole part plays into. And when you breathe in and when you contract naturally, it is then also the third thing is the process that which occurs versus skipping it. I mean, that's part of the route, but this is where we have continuation of making of antibodies is because of contracting something naturally. It's over, this is why natural immunity is longer known to be longer traditionally when you contract things naturally. And that is why, because we continue to make those antibodies. Hmm. There's a there's a shelf life for vaccination. And that's what we're seeing today is there's a there's a six month shelf life. And we have we are learning that because we are in the learning phase currently of how well does it work and how long does mm-hmm. it work for and and XYZ. The problem though with knowing if you're what your immune status is is we don't have very good technology to test for your immunity, really, Mm -hmm. when we look at that. And so we only have, yeah, we have our IgG titers that we'll look at, but there's so much more in terms of what immunity means. And we don't don't have the technology yet, not commercially yet. So yeah, Mm -hmm. if you're doing studies, there's all these things that they, you know, when you read a paper, they did all these different things. You're like, how do I use that? Well, you're not available as a clinician to be able to use these markers to know actuality of of immunity. So that's why we're like, we don't know if if natural immunity really works really well or how long for vaccination, because we don't really have that tangible as clinicians, like we could be testing people you know, here on out being like, let's check, like, why not? Let's pay $200 and see, but we don't have that technology to really know yet.
0: What I don't understand though is why, okay. So when you have a, when you have inoculation, there's no guarantee of uh, immune protection. And so it, it's an incident that high, you know, like when you have a vaccine uh, it's highly probable, I'm sure to different degrees that you're going to have some immune pre- protection or some High, different degrees of immune protection but when I have this uh test result that's that that shows that um you know I, oh, this negative. is my negative one but yeah. I, I got positive so so now I have proof like high-end scientific accepted conventional proof of infection those two those two events to me seem to be now what what then happens after that in terms of like comparing did I get the vaccine or did I get a natural infection we don't know exactly, but I'd, I would assume that knowing one is as good as knowing the other when you're, when you're looking for immunity. I just don't, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm struggling mm-hmm. with that.
2: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> when, Taylor, when Taylor consensus.
0: doesn't have anything to say about it, then. <laughs> wow. There's a
1: lot of questions that go on up here Yeah. and, you know, <laughs> trying to like answer I'm like, okay, I can't. Nope, no, 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 no one knows. And I have, I have my mentors that I'm, you know, going to, I mean, I'm in two courses right now and asking PhD immunologists questions mm, yeah. and they're just like, I don't actually know. There's nothing there. I'm like, hmm, cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, we'll just carry on. So yeah, there's a lot of unknown still, but Hey, I mean, that's, you know, we're in the, that's the beauty of being in phase three is, you know, asking and and we should be doing these, Bits of, well, they should be. I don't know if it's maybe it's happening of uh, answering these questions as we're within this phase
2: of of learning. So, you no, know. we're not always allowed to ask questions in you know this what? phase. We're always learning. allowed to ask questions. That's the thing, you know, like you brought it up before that science is always evolving and changing. In science, historically, you ask questions, you have hypotheses, you challenge them, you change, you adapt, you learn. The situation is constantly changing. Listen to changing. other opinions right? Mm -hmm. You listen Mm -hmm. to other opinions, you Mm -hmm. gather data from various areas, right? Um, And it's concerning Mm -hmm. that it seems to be a cap on what is now deemed to be the scientific method these days. And it's not including all those things that were traditionally part of the scientific method. And that's and and just like even dave was like i have this question why is a vaccine status not the same as someone having had previous infection in this right. day and age that's a great question and it that should, should be. be a question we should, should be allowed be. to ask right and it should so. be and
1: i mean even when we do um, when we're looking it's interesting interesting because i'll do titers on families on kiddos and we'll do measles mumps rubella and chickenpox mm. and chickenpox the titers is actually based on natural immunity because it was you know, we all got it as kiddos, yeah. Um, and so it was based on antibodies for that. So that's where it's even like, because I've talked to the microbiologists at BCCDC, it's like, well, it's also the status of immunity. You know, because it is based on natural immunity. So unsure I'm if through vaccine immunity, if this is even equated equatable um, mm. at all. And it's like, why don't you just? Well, so then why don't you fix it? So then <laughs> make it have two segments you know like can yeah. you tell if it's from a vaccine or if it's from natural immunity like you know the, why not and so anyways i just i think you should be able to have the parameter i think nowadays it looks like we should be able to have that technology of being like the differentiating and what are you looking for B and T and neutralizing antibodies and all these things to be like, that is what immunity is. You have immunity. Mm. Um,
0: Uh, That's a testament to how complicated immunology is though. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, like you said, you're talking to these PhDs and Mm -hmm. that's what they do. That's what they do. And it's, they get stumped too. Yeah.
2: Um, And it's just a testament to the, to like what's involved to make someone healthy and have their whole body. As a cohesive unit, function together because, like you said, there's a Taylor. There's a lot of pieces to the pie when it comes to supporting someone's immune system. Getting mm-hmm. an inoculation can can be a very valuable piece, but mm-hmm. it's not the whole pie. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Not the
2: whole and pie. And even like there is research looking at um, different
1: genetic genetic markers that which would reduce your capability of making antibodies mm. to that vaccine. And so they've mm. been they've been looking at these HLA specifically in terms of not being able to and i think that's an important part because yeah. even even with measles they're looking at genetics as to why even naturally but through, through vaccination why you can't make antibodies very well and so we give a buffer like a five percent but really with, with measles it's actually more about 10 percent of the population doesn't make good antibodies oh, to measles so that's where we, we then we know that um I mean, is it, do we know is that, that people who get
0: people, it multiple times, like people who can so get some it multiple people, times? Yeah. I mean, like I my grandma lot. had it three times, I think.
1: Right. And so, I mean, is our technology not good enough to tell me maybe she does, but our technology doesn't tell us, but the t- technology that we have isn't bringing up those titers for measles. I have a lot okay. of cut few mamas who don't have antibodies to rubella and then they've got their MMR after they gave, they gave birth. And then checked no rubella. I had a mama that did uh, one, and then another baby, and then again had. And she's just like, okay, I'm not making antibodies to rubella clearly based on the test right. showing. Like I'm done. I'm good. It's clearly not going right. to happen. So this is this is the population. Mm. But you're also not going to know whom has immunity or not when you don't test. So this is where I'm really into using titers have also been scrutinized for using titers which to me is isn't there isn't a good answer as to why I should be scrutinized it's the the rationale is because well they're gonna have to drive to your office and you're gonna have to draw blood and then you're gonna have to ship it and then you're gonna have to read the results to your patients i mean that's just a lot of work you know what i'm up for it <laughs> <laughs> i'm okay with that extra it's fine. Well, it's a blood draw. You know mm-hmm. what? I guess I'm getting pretty good at it because the kiddos are watching Netflix while I draw blood and we seem to be just fine. So I want to know if the product is working really well, or if they've previously seen the infection, because then we're like, Hey, neat, you've got immunity based on what the blood work says, mm-hmm. um, which is which anyone can do antibody titer testing. Anybody can do it with tip, depending on the province that you're in. I mean, I can do it straight to the BCCDC. Um, but you know, naturopathic doctors, I think, um, uh, can, so yeah, but awesome. Well, thanks guys. I mean,
2: it's been great chatting with you about this.
0: This was only, <laughs> this is only part one,
1: I think. Yeah.
2: I think we're going to have you back because I feel like there, there, there could be more, more to uncover and discuss and just mm-hmm. help people begin to have a more full breadth conversation about these things. hmm
1: yeah. Like you said, I'm, yeah. it's
2: important. It's very important for people's decision-making
1: totally. And I think in 2022, we should be able to drop the, just, just drop the gloves and you know what, let's sit back, take a deep breath and let's start having conversations with, with that are not fueled with fear and anger. Cause I know mm. that there's a lot of anger here because you're like, well, if I get infected, I could die. Yeah. Let's, let's back up a minute. Um, where does that come from? First off, and if you're scared that you can die from an infection, let's have a conversation about the immune system and how I can improve it, perhaps, or what are you doing that's suppressing it? Damn. Has anyone mm-hmm. told you that you're doing stuff that's suppressing your immune system? Did you know X, Y, Z? I mean, those are things we can talk about next time. Yeah, yeah. I think that'd I got be a, great a few other things
0: we can talk about, but yeah. um, that time just flew for me. I had a great time. Um, awesome. Michelle, you were well behaved, I think, for the most part.
2: I do want to, I want to just highlight something really quickly for the listeners. Um, Taylor, Dr. Taylor Bean, you mentioned that you have a vaccine optimization series. How can people access that Mm -hmm. if they want to understand things more?
1: Totally. So the website is vaccineoptimization.com. So it has its own website. You can find it on, um, it's on my Instagram, but you can also, which is Dr. Taylor Bean is the Instagram Uh, but also my website, which is uh, drtaylorbean.com. And it's on there and you can register They're recorded. um, They're about 45 to 60 minutes each. And I list all of the papers that I reference, or if there's a PDF, they're all under each individual one that you've watched. And you can just buy one, you can buy two, you can buy some, not all what have you.
2: Sweet. Um, Yeah. Cool. I'm glad. And thank you for sharing that. I think our listeners will appreciate that extra detail there. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Okay. Thank you. The brave and awesome and smart Taylor Bean. Let's talk again.
2: Awesome. Okay. Okay. See ya.